thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Nicole, and I will be reading from John chapter 14, 23 to 27. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nicole, thank you so much for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. So we're in the 1980s. Can't miss that uh, (laughs) reference today with all the music, right? In the 1980s, there are some things we remember about the 80s. Uh, Of course, uh, in the 80s, politics took a, a turn to the right with the election of Reagan and then ensuing elections following that. And of course, the organization known as the Moral Majority was still very active and uh, a part of that uh, uh, push as well. The economy, there was deregulation in the economy, and so it made the, the market do uh, interesting things, to say the least. And, and part of what that decade was known for, uh, I mean, some of us can't forget the line from uh, the character Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street, greed is good. That really characterized a lot of the economic things that happened during the 1980s. Of course, one of the really tragic parts of the 1980s was uh, the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger. Um, I mean, that would be tragic as it is, but many of you remember that, that we, there was a school teacher on there, Krista McAuliffe, the first ever non-astronaut. Uh, and she went through all the training and all that kind of business. And so there were, because there was a school teacher on board, there were millions of school children around the country watching the launch of the Space Shuttle Challenger. That was a very tragic uh, time that really struck a lot of Americans very, very deeply. Speaking of music, uh, we've been connecting music, you know, the rock of ages. We've been connecting music of the decades along the way as as well. Uh, One of the the, uh, important developments in the 80s, 1981 actually, was the launch of MTV. MTV, yeah, music videos. No longer were music videos simply a recording of a band on a stage doing a song. I mean, now the videos were creative. They were, they were about, all, they were, some of them were weird. I'll just say it, right? I mean, some of them were just weird. Um, but all these crazy, interesting, creative music videos now. And so uh, Billboard uh, ranked some of the top videos of the 1980s. So here are a few of the top ten. Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Some of you might remember that. It was, it was, an, it was an awesome, it was a great video. Uh, the Police, Every Breath You Take. Run DMC and Aerosmith, Walk This Way. I can't imagine the party after that. Uh, Prince, When Doves Cry. Madonna, Like a Prayer. Cindy Lauper, her uh, video of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And the number one of the 1980s, according to Billboard, was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) 
thriller. Yeah, I mean, that was, when you see those, they really they stick in your memory, right? Every, every decade has its own characteristics. We've talked about that all along. The 50s, 60s, 70s, they've all had their own characteristics and, and events and things that were part of what made that decade that decade. And at the same time, every decade is a time of transition. I mean, there are always events from the previous decade continuing into this one, and whatever's happening here continues into the next one. So it's kind of like also having to, to try to, to uh, describe a moving river. Well, at least right here, this is what the river looks like, but it may be different next week, right? Because it's always in motion. It's always moving, always changing. Well, we go through transitions in life, um, all kinds of transitions that we go through in life, maybe going to a different school, maybe moving into a new house, or maybe moving to a new city, uh, going through an illness. I mean, there can be all kinds of transitions that we go through in life, and one of those most difficult transitions course is saying goodbye you know in, in the summer it's that's kind of a common time for a lot of people to move if they're going to move they move in the summer and so sometimes that is so painful because they move far away and even with our current technology of facetime and zoom and all that we can see other people it's just not the same and saying those goodbyes can be so difficult of course even harder than that is saying goodbye in the time of death Well, that's exactly what Jesus was doing in this scripture reading. He was saying goodbye to his disciples just before his death. Scholars and commentators have called this passage, this section of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus' farewell discourse. That starts in chapter 14, at the very beginning of 14, goes all the way through 17. Those four chapters are Jesus talking with his disciples, telling them, I'm leaving you, I'm going away, I will die, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is about that. Uh, and, and, and in the Gospel of John, it's a little bit different that we learn about Jesus' death a lot earlier. Um, you know, there's 21 chapters. And back in chapter 11 is when you get the first clue about this. It's that chapter, chapter 11 is mostly known for the story of Jesus raising his good friend Lazarus from the dead. You might remember that story. Lazarus, whose sisters were Mary and Martha, and Jesus was friends with them. So there were some observers, of course, of that whole event where Lazarus had already been in the tomb and Jesus called for him to come out, and he did. Some of that got reported to the religious leaders, and they were not happy with Jesus anyway, and this was kind of a breaking point, and they, they began to plot Jesus' death at that point. In chapter 12, Jesus told his disciples he was going to die. In chapter 13, he predicted that Judas would betray him and that Peter would deny knowing him. So when you get to chapter 14, this farewell discourse, this is not just another day in the life of Jesus. I mean, emotions are high. Tension is thick. Uncertainty is just off the chart. What's going to happen here? And the first verse of chapter 14, the first verse of Jesus talking to his disciples about this is, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, those, those words may sound a little bit familiar because 
we frequently read those words plus others from chapter 14 at memorial services and funerals. Because they are comforting words. And they come at a time that just precedes Jesus' death. Verse 27 that Nicole read, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus extends peace to them. But not like the world. Well, that's kind of a strange statement. What does he mean? Because the peace that would have been known in that day and time, remember the context, was the Roman Empire, which was kind of famous for Pax Romana, right? The peace of Rome. Well, sure, it was violently enforced. Rome loved to say, oh, no, there's no uprisings, there's no opposing voices, there's no problem at all. Well, of course, because if there were, they were executed. So, the peace of Rome was not the kind of peace Jesus was talking about. It was something very different. And in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That we will come to know the presence of Jesus and God the Father through our faithful living together and loving one another as Jesus loved us. That we will come to know the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now John also uses the word advocate here. This is the introduction of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. That even when Jesus is gone physically, the presence of Christ will be with us in difficult times and in all times. So even though Jesus is leaving the disciples, he's assuring them it's going to be okay. It really is. And in fact, he later assures them it's going to be even better than okay. Better than you can imagine. So interestingly, love and peace are intertwined here. Love and peace become intertwined. Uh, that, uh, and I, and the, the, it is kind of hard to understand how you'd have one without the other. If, you don't have any, if you're not able to love and be loved, I think it'd be difficult to have a sense of peace. And it's kind of hard to have a sense of peace if you don't know love. I mean, I think they kind of get intertwined there, right? They, they go together. Now, we talk about love quite a bit in church. Let me talk about peace for just a minute. Because remember, Jesus was Jewish, and so the Hebrew notion of peace is the word shalom. When you wish shalom to somebody, you'd wish peace to somebody. Now, that's not just saying, I hope everything goes really well, and you have a life free of conflict. It's saying, may you have a deep sense of well-being deep in your soul. That would be true, even if there are difficulties around you or difficulties in your life, you have a deep sense of well-being. Maybe another word to use that we use more frequently today is you would feel safe. That you would feel safe regardless of what's going on. That's the kind of peace Jesus intends for us. Now, it gets connected to love. It gets connected to love in John's letters that are later in the New Testament. Uh, I, the chapter I sometimes refer to as the other love chapter. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter we all know. But 1 John 4 has a lot to say about love. 
And in that chapter, verse 18, it, uh, he writes, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Or I'm, You might edit that a little bit to say it has to do with punishment and bad things happening to you. That's what fear is about. Something bad's going to happen. But love, pure love, as we know in God, pushes that away so that we can experience peace, a deep sense of well-being, a sense of safety, even in the midst of uncertainty and heightened emotions and tension that's thick. We're still kind of emerging from a time like that. The pandemic has been a uh, was has been a very interesting time and continues to be as we continue to move beyond uh, the the pandemic and and some say we may not be as far out of it as we think we are. Even if you haven't been deeply affected by the pandemic, maybe you've been fine. No one in your family's been ill. You've kept your job. Everything's been. I wouldn't be surprised if you've, you've at least had some concern along the way, concern for your own health, concern for family members, hoping they don't get sick, concern for your job, concern for the overall economy of the country, concern for all kinds of things, even those kinds of things that can keep you up at night. I found one uh, kind of first-person account of this online. I'm just going to read excerpts. Uh, This was a writer named Mackenzie Nicholson. So the pandemic got started, and she writes, Before we knew it, my husband was furloughed, my son was in remote school indefinitely, and my daughter's childcare shuttered. As a young professional, I spent the majority of the last decade doing the right things for my career. I worked hard to ensure that my family would be in a settled, stable place, meant to withstand any storm. In other words, layoff proof. She goes on to say that, of course, she was laid off. One night, after a particularly rough day with the kids, I said to my husband, this is the worst year of my life. And I meant it. And saying that sent me into a full-fledged panic attack. While trying to balance the needs of my home life with my mental health, I was still uploading resumes and clicking the submit button on applications. For many people, the pandemic has been a really rough time on our mental health, our sense of security and certainty. There's been a lot of fear. Jana introduced our new uh, Stephen leader, Stephen ministry leader, and our new Stephen ministers a while ago. That's one way our church seeks to provide a ministry to others that sometimes that you just need someone to talk to. People have been through pretty significant, uh, uh, long training, intense training, to be able to know how to listen and how to just be there for a person so that, so that the person knows I'm in a safe place. And this person's going to care for me in this time. How important that is. Cindy Lauper, of course, was an a iconic figure of the 80s, music figure of the 80s. You may or may not know much about her life. Uh, when she was five years old, her mother divorced and then uh, remarried and divorced again. Somewhere later, married again. Um, when she was, when Cindy was about 12, she got her first guitar, started learning how to play guitar. She always wanted to kind of stand out. Now, you know, if you remember the videos of her, the pictures of her, she, yeah, she, she's a standout kind of person, right? A friend of hers said, well, to start with, you could spell your name differently. 
Spell it C-Y-N-D-I. So she did. You know, that's one way to change something up. And she began to wear bright colored clothing. She would color her hair. To which you and I think, so? (laughs) Right? We see that all the time. That's not a big deal. You got to remember, she was a school kid in the 60s. She was a school kid in the 60s. So she was bullied. She tells of times that kids would throw rocks at her. She was completely ostracized. When she was 17, she left home to get away from an abusive stepfather. So when she recorded True Colors, you kind of understand why it might mean something to her. Now, she didn't write it. Many of the songs that she performed, she wrote, or she was part of the composition process. Uh, she did, someone else wrote this. But you can imagine her really gravitating to this song and wanting to sing this song. You with the sad eyes. Don't be discouraged. You can lose sight of it all, and the darkness inside you can make you feel so small, but I see your true colors shining through. If this world makes you crazy and you've taken all that you can bear, you call me up because you know I'll be there, and I'll see your true colors shining through. How that must have resonated with her to now want to be that person, to be there for somebody who's going through a difficult time, to say, I know there's more inside of you than this difficulty. The need to love and to be loved. And Huey Lewis's Power of Love, it's a great song, uh, and Johnny did a great job. Our musicians, by the way, through this whole series have kind of killed it, haven't they? I mean, wow. I mean, they have, done a, they have just done a great job. Man, that's been so fun to hear the music. And Johnny, where Johnny, Johnny may be backstage, he's going to he's gonna have to record that. Put it on vinyl. Power of love. The power of love is a curious thing, makes one man weep, makes another man sing, change a hawk to a little white dove. More than a feeling, that's the power of love. When it gets hold of you, and with a little help from above, you feel the power of love. We feel the power of love as we follow the one commandment Jesus gave, the one. Love one another as I have loved you. And as we live that out, Jesus says in that scripture passage, He and the Father will come to be with you and make our home with you. And you will know peace. I remember a time in my life, uh, many years ago now, uh, I remember going through a difficult time, and I just remember one one day feeling super agitated, nervous. I I didn't know what was wrong. So I called a friend. I said, man, that's... I'm feeling these things. I don't know what this is about. And they said, well, you know, so they, series of conversations, I, I got an appointment with a therapist. So I go to this therapist, and I, she says, so what was going on? So I say, this is what's going on. She said, okay, well, that's great. You know, probably in six to eight weeks, you'll be in a much better place. Two and a half years later, we were still talking. And I stopped seeing her because uh, I moved away. <laughs> Come to find out there was a lot of things buried in my life. There were a lot of things I hadn't faced. There were a lot of things that it was a whole lot easier to just put behind and just keep moving forward. So I did for a long, long time. 
And in that space, this person happened to be a Christian. I didn't go out seeking a so-called Christian counselor. I just went, this person said, go talk to this person. So I did. She happened to be a Christian. She happened to be United Methodist even. It was a safe place. I knew she wasn't going to say, get out of my office someday when I said whatever I said. She wasn't going to kick me out. It was a safe place. God intends that for all of us. God intends that for all of us, that we as community will love one another in such a way that we'll know we can be safe with each other, that we will be able to exhibit that kind of love for one another, that we can experience what Paul says at the end of his letter to the Philippians. When he was at the end of his career, end of his life, he's in prison, and he tells the Philippians, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace we long for. Let's pray. Oh God, our, our world uh, is sometimes a crazy place, and uh, it can be very difficult. Sometimes it's a lot closer to home, and we have difficulties with those around us. We feel uncertain. We may not feel safe. God, help all of us to be that Christian community that would so love one another that we will know we're in a good place together, that we will experience the peace that you offer, the peace of the Holy Spirit to be with us, a presence that is beyond our comprehension, and yet we know it's real. So God, help us to have, be surrounded by that community of love and forgiveness in those difficult times so that we can continue to become the people that you've created us to be, that we can experience healing where we need it, and that we then can be the healing presence for others. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.